Welcome to another bonus episode of Sleep Whispers, an extra treat for my Silk Plus members. This is bonus episode number 92, and it's titled Feeding Birds in the Park. Are you ready to join me on a bird-watching expedition? Or, as Winnie the Pooh says, an expedition. <laughs> if you love birds or birding, then expect your ears to be filled with the names and descriptions of many birds. Now, if you think birds or birding sounds then listen closely. You may change your mind by the end of this episode. Why? Because you'll learn some bird facts that may fascinate you. Like, what color are cardinals? Oh, that is easy, you think. All cardinals are red. Are you sure? Don't worry, though. 
They all don't fly south for the winter. Most of these species are year-round. Yes, I said most, not all. Unfortunately, the wood warblers are not one of those year-round birds. We may see a couple, though, as they depart for warmer lands. Those fat and saucy robins are also disappearing from the park right now. They're off to find some sun-baked worms elsewhere. We still may see a robin, though. Sometimes a few stick around the park in winter. Perhaps they're just too lazy to do the migration thing. Other birds who are departing the park for the winter include the wood thrush, the hermit thrush, Wilson's thrush, the yellow warbler, the perky little red start, the somber colored blackbirds, the Baltimore oriole, the orchard oriole, the scarlet tanager, the catbird, the jenny wren, the tiny chipping sparrow, and many others. Okay, come. Join me on this bench. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking around also. And I don't see many birds either. But let's give it some time. Patience is the currency of all things beautiful. In the meantime, let me share some of my favorite winter park memories. I remember one particularly chilly day, kind of like today. It was after a fall of snow. The air was crisp and sharp. Indeed, it was nipping at my earlobes. I was standing still, but trying not to shiver was a challenge. From my prior time in the park, I knew where to go to find certain birds. My coat pocket was fully stocked with peanuts and a box of bird seed. Of course, birds are not the only animals in the winter park. There are some friendly gray squirrels who soon realized I had some treats. Some of these squirrels will bravely eat the peanuts right from my hand, while other squirrels seem to be a bit more timid. These timid ones make me smile. They stand on their rear legs and stare at me from a few feet away. Some will even put a little paw on their chest as if to calm their overexcited heart. I can almost hear that little 
timid squirrel thinking, I want that nut. I want that nut. I want that nut. But I'm just too scared to go get it. <laughs> of course, I don't want to torture these shy and adorable fuzzy squirrels. So, I do toss them a peanut. I'm not a monster. <laughs> now, unlike today, I did see a lot of birds that day. The first birds I saw were the rugged and noisy English sparrows, written down in some bird books as pests. But I confess, I couldn't resist giving them a little treat or two. Yes, they can be noisy and pesty, but they still have the cute appeal of an old-timey newsboy yelling for your attention from the street corner. Tweet, tweet, read all about it. Central Park installs new feeding stations referred to by humans as park benches. <laughs> I've learned that their loud chatter and rush for food just attract other desirable birds. I soon heard the sharp, shrill peep of the white-throated sparrows. I could hear them scratching with both feet under the bushes. Now and then, one would try his throat with his full song. Two sweet whistles, followed by very plain calls for peepity, peepity, peepity. And for this reason, some people call them the Peabody Bird. There is no mistaking this beautiful sparrow among a bunch of his noisy English neighbors. The rich brown of his feathers is easily seen. His three white stripes on his head and the white patch on his throat attract your eye at once. In a group of thirty or forty white throats that were feeding on my bird seed. I also noticed two plump song sparrows. They are brown also, but smaller than the white throats. Their breasts are streaked with dark brown stripes with a spot right in the center. This is the sparrow that makes music for us from very early spring until late in autumn. I've heard them in February with the snow yet on the ground. They'll be perched on the tip of some bush and singing away with a joyfulness that made everything take on a much more cheerful look while I was watching the white throats 
song that I especially hoped for, and very soon I had a near view of Mr. Chickadee himself. This wee chickadee had a jet black head, throat, and chin with gray cheeks. He came down to feed at once in company with several of his friends. They hopped about my feet and a nearby bench to pick up the bits of treats that I dropped for their benefit. The chickadees are usually chummy little birds, but not always. Sometimes they will be happy to just hop around your feet, and sometimes they are quick to take flight. To entice more chickadees, I put some crumbs in my hand and held it out invitingly. Some new chickadees landed on the tree over my head, sang their song, looked down with curiosity, and then flew off. Hmm. Yeah, I guess that group of chickadees were a bit more skittish. It seemed they were more interested in checking out some bark on a distant tree than feeding on my treats. Yet, one little chickadee from this new group stayed behind and just kept staring down at my hand with the treats in it. Finally, this solo brave bird landed right on my hand with confidence, selected the largest treat I had, and flew away to eat it. Watching birds eat crumbs, seeds, and other treats is just a pure delight. They are so adorable. That little chickadee held the bit between both feet on a bench and leaned forward and pecked away at it. Occasionally, he would hold a small piece in one foot only. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent adorable. Another little fellow stopped to sing me his Chick-a-dee-dee-dee, as he perched on my little finger before selecting his morsel. These brave birds inspired other birds who followed me about the paths that day. Wherever I stopped, there were sure to be several chickadees peeping about the tree trunks, asking me to please give them some more treats. While this was going on, I heard a horse quonk, quonk, quonk that sounded very nearby. Looking up, I saw a white-breasted nuthatch. This is a blue-gray bird with a very distinct black band on the top of his head that extends back across his shoulders. His short tail and legs 
on the ground. On a tree, however, he is a regular acrobat, walking head up or head down on the limbs and the trunk, and now and then doing a giant swing, completely circling some twig, just to show what he can do when he tries. His long, slim bill is not made for cracking things, as the sparrows can do with their short, strong bills. Instead, he punches holes in them as a woodpecker would do. When he came down to the path and picked up a peanut, he then flew off to a nearby tree. He then hunted up and down until he found a place in the bark where he could wedge the nut in. Then he proceeded to hatch or crack it into bits to suit his taste. A brown creeper was walking up his tree a short distance away, very much as the nut hatch does. This brown creeper was poking his long, curved bill into the bark, hunting for some crawly treats. It can be hard to spot a brown creeper. They have brown and gray feathers that tend to match the trees that they land on. This one seemed to really like to walk circles around the trunk or limb, so I had to keep a sharp lookout to get more than an occasional rapid glance at him. And then suddenly, a loud, rapping noise grabbed my attention. I looked around, and I spotted a downy, black-and-white woodpecker with a bright red spot on the back of his head. I had just been thinking about woodpeckers, <laughs> so I kind of felt like I just conjured this one up. Wow, what a superpower that would be <laughs> for any bird watcher. Just think of a bird, and they appear. Well, that would probably take all of the challenge risk, and reward out of bird watching. Anyway, this woodpecker was just hammering away with all his might. The limb on which he hung rattled briskly as he drove his chisel-like bill into the wood. Another woodpecker, the big and beautifully marked flicker stopped for a minute or two on a tree about a hundred feet away. This one had a brown back with black bars on it, a spotted breast with a big black crescent, and a red band on the back of his head. Something quickly spooked him, though and his cry of alarm 
rang out shrilly as he flew away. All of these winter birds are just so handsomely marked, though few of them compare in the mere matter of color with some of the many beautiful summer species. But there was one bird there that winter day whose vivid color could compete with the summer visitors. It was a cardinal who landed nearby among a group of feeding white-throats. His vivid red crest stood out like a jet of flame. The black spot at the base of his bill only made the rest of him seem the brighter. Now, you may wonder why I keep referring to so many birds as males. It's not guesswork or laziness, but rather male birds do tend to be more colorful than female birds. Not all, but some are. The classic example is the peacock, who, of course, is a walking rainbow compared to his less colorful female counterpart, the peahen. Another example is the regal and almost arrogant rooster. Yeah, compare his bright plumage to his counterpart, the much humbler hen. And so it is with many other birds, including cardinals. The bright red cardinal that you're thinking of right now is the male, while the female cardinal is mostly light brown. Regardless, cardinals of both genders do spend their winters quite often in Central Park, and I hear or see them every time I go there. And right now, a lone male cardinal is expressing some discontent near me. His only note is a sharp squeak of alarm. <laughs> he just doesn't like sharing the ground space with those other white throats. Looking up, my attention is caught by another sight. High over my head, I could see several gulls floating along on their way to the reservoir. They are mere specks of shining white against the blue-gray of the sky. Hundreds of them often gather in the open water that is usually found in the center of the reservoir. Feeling satisfied on that fine winter day, I then decided it was time to depart. I had then stood up and walked towards the entrance of the park which is where I had parked my car. I 
then heard the gurgling music of a party of goldfinches. They were perched on some cedars near the border of the lake. They had on their winter coats of yellowish-brown, but their song and dipping flight made them easily recognizable. What a wonderful finish to that winter day in the park. Today, though, is a different story. <laughs> you and I are sitting here on this park bench with not much luck. We've only seen a couple of birds flitting among the branches of very distant trees. Bird watching, though, is not just about the birds. There are two other important aspects. The first aspect is just spending time with nature. Now look closely at the bare limbs and the branches of the trees and bushes. You'll see little buds full of future life just patiently waiting for the cold to depart and the next season to appear. Also, listen closely. Winter has its own beautiful sounds. The creaking of an old tree limb in the wind or the lovely note of a bird who is braving the oncoming winter. These sounds may be fewer than the sounds of a bark in the summer. But for that reason, those less frequent sounds in the winter just feel more special. Along with the migrating birds, the lush green leaves of the trees and the soft grass underneath are also departing for the winter. The bare trees and the withering grass may be dreary to some, but nature in winter is not dead. Rather, the greenery is just taking a little nap, like a hibernating bear. <laughs> nature is just storing up energy enable her to greet the spring season in her very best attire. The trees seem to feel pretty much as you do, showing a vigorous spirit to enjoy and cope with the worst that Jack Frost can bring. Also like you, these trees enjoy when the winter sun penetrates their outer shell and warms the liquid life force that flows through them. Relaxing among some trees in a gentle breeze can bring profound peace and tranquility. If a colorful bird decides to join you, then that is just a bonus. Many people who love to go fishing 
say something similar. They just enjoy relaxing by a river or a stream, surrounded by the embrace of nature. Catching a fish for some of them is just a bonus. The other important aspect of birding is spending time with a friend. That's another benefit that fishing buddies will tell you all about. This friend may be a passionate birder like yourself or someone you are introducing to birding. So when you venture out together to find birds, don't lose sight of this precious moment that you have with a friend. Enjoy some silent time together while you bask in nature or chat about the birds that you expected to see but you didn't. Yeah, like today. We are enjoying the peacefulness of the park and the contentment of each other's company. Spotting some perky birds would be, well, a wonderful perk. Instead, we chat about and visualize in our minds the many winter species that we haven't seen today. Early winter usually brings a few owls into Central Park, including the long-eared owl and the northern Sawet owl. It is even possible, although rare, to see a barn owl, a great horned owl, or a boreal owl. There are also regular crowds of titmice, finches, sparrows, and woodpeckers, like I mentioned in some of my prior visits. But sometimes, something rare turns up like a common red bull. There is also the occasional white-throated sparrow, dark-eyed junco, gray catbird, and Carolina wren. A late-wandering yellow-breasted chat is sometimes found in the park, and sometimes even a rufous hummingbird. Of course, ducks take full advantage of the various water bodies in Central Park during the winter months. In particular, the American black duck, along with the northern shoveler, the bufflehead, and the ruddy duck can be fairly common in November and December. Less common birds, like the wood duck and the green-winged teal, sometimes overwinter also. Alas, though, <laughs> today we didn't 
see many of these less common or even common birds. But we got to relax in nature with each other. A delightful day indeed. Let's do it again soon. This is the end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed this bonus episode of Sleep Whispers. And thank you for supporting my podcasts. I truly appreciate it.